like to just share a few things by way of honoring my mom, Carolyn, just to talk about a few things that my mom taught me for life that I deeply appreciate. It occurred to me that I probably should do this for my wife one of these years, but I informed her this morning that it's not that year. Yeah, that was supposed to be funny, not actually supposed to be hurtful. Here's just a few things that my mom taught me. Mom taught me how to relate well in the middle of conflict. We would be yelling and we would be fighting and we would be saying, he hit me and I don't want to play with him anymore and he stole my truck and no, he started it and she would sit us down in chairs and make us face each other and look each other in the eyes and we would of course try to talk to, each, to her and say, but he, and she'd say, I don't care, don't talk to me, I don't care, talk to him. Yeah, but he's, I'm not listening, I'm going to leave now and you guys are not allowed to leave this chair until you can tell the other person what happened, how it made you feel, and then both do that. Oh, it got painful. I mean, you stare each other down angrily for 15 minutes, but eventually you're like, we got better stuff to do with our lives than sit here and be mad. When you, when you tried to take the truck from me, it made me sad. Well, when you punched me in the face when I took the truck from you, <laughs> it made me sad. That hurt my feelings. All right, fine. Good job, guys. Now, you can leave as soon as you tell each other you're sorry, and you forgive each other, and you hug. Now, I need you to look each other in the eyes. Oh, my word. Have you ever tried to look somebody in the eyes without smiling? Yes. At some point, you break. <sighs> so mom taught me how to use I feel statements to let both sides share their feelings. And, she, and the, the whole process taught me about the idea that it's almost never about being right or wrong. It's almost never about the issues. It's almost always about the relationship. Mom taught me about making course corrections in life as you go along. For the first 20 years of their marriage, which would have been my early childhood, mom was different as a wife and mother. For the first 20 years, she was much more dutiful and submissive and traditional, which is another way of saying she was very repressed and stuffing your feelings, and whatever Norm wants is what we're going to do. And the next 20 years were much less frustrated for her, much more expressive, and much more of a mutual partnership. Of course, that was a bit of a challenge for Dad. He was happily married the first 20 years and then said, what happened to her? Um, but I guarantee you that he does not regret her change. I think he got a better version of her, the last 20, than he did the first 20. That sounds really bad. Is that on the recording? Yes, it is. Do you know what I mean? Was it bumpier? Mm-hmm. Were they more intimate? Yep. So course corrections. She learned that sometimes what your church tradition taught you was not exactly the most faithful way of living out Scripture. Which leads me to the third thing is, she taught me that swimming upstream for the sake of your conscience is always right. Mom was one of the first women in our conservative Mennonite church to take off her head covering. And she didn't take it off because she didn't feel like wearing it anymore. I mean, she grew up in the, in the, with the idea that if Jesus returned and your head covering wasn't on, and you were in bed, or the bath, you would probably be left behind. 
You know what I'm saying? Just, there, was a, there was a definite culture of fear surrounding that, legalism and fear surrounding the head covering. But she did a detailed study of 1 Corinthians 11 and came to the conclusion after research and prayer that it, that it was a cultural expression of something valuable that still applies. And so in order to faithfully live out her best understanding of scripture, she took it off. And she was one of the first people in our church to do that. And I'm proud of her for that, for going against the grain of her church tradition to go with the grain of her best understanding of the Bible. It was weird watching other women who hadn't studied the passage take it off because if Carol can do it and she's godly, I probably can too. That's bad, isn't it? That's, see, that's not good. She taught me by observation about what it looks like to parent with tough love and a tender heart. She was a great listener and a great counselor. Even in my total rebellious years, I still leaned on her as a friend and as a counselor, uh, which is interesting, isn't it? That even though Jesus didn't have my heart, mom still kind of did, you know? But I also heard her, uh, there, were, there were definite moments where it was like, this is the line. I remember hearing her angrily say, well, actually, she was more calm, but her version of anger is still calm. Melody, I can either choose to be your friend or your mother in this moment, and I'm choosing to be your mother. Woo, because that's usually what she would say as she was explaining that you are not getting your way and you are not liking it, but I'm going to be okay with you not being okay. She also instilled in us a ridiculous work ethic, which I hated at the time, and I, look, and I look back on very fondly now. All the work, hours a day, the chores that you didn't get paid for, cleaning your room and making your bed and dusting and, and all those sorts of things and picking up when guests come over, you don't get paid for any of that. But then there were the chores you did get paid for, mowing the ridiculously large yard, which took three hours, you know, sweeping up the the garage and all the concrete all the way out, just different things. We always were working. We were weeding. We were, she would leave me notes Saturday morning. I'd wake up and I'd see, you probably want to get up early before the heat hits because you're going to be weeding today. (laughs) I developed the ability to speak while sleeping. Mom, what is this note? Well, you sat up in bed and told me that you understood me. I have no memory of that whatsoever. Well, you sat up in bed and your eyes were open and you looked me in the face and you said, I understand. I'm not kidding. I have no memory of that whatsoever. Awesome. Super skills. Yes, mom, I understand. Still no memory of any of those. Um, All the weeding and dusting and sweeping and vacuuming and picking up and mowing and folding of laundry and putting away. I used to think that they had us because kids are cheap labor. I'm not joking. That actually was, I was like, I know what's up here. They, they were sitting there one day by themselves doing all this work, and they said, you know what we need? Some slaves. So then they had us. But they also instilled the sense that with the hard work comes reward. They paid us by the hour. And, you know, I never even thought back to go slow because I hated working. Like, now I'm looking back and I'm like, I could have got paid more to work slower, but I didn't like it, so I just got it done fast. But not only did they pay us by the hour, they paid us fair. I can mow faster than she did, but she paid me for the time it took her to mow. That's a good employer. And by the end 
They, they taught us the, value, the, the reward and value of hard work, but they also would match whatever we would invest in savings at the end of the year to teach us to save and invest. So by the time I graduated high school, you guys, I had a down payment on a house. Not kidding. That's cool. I'm not in the same tax bracket as them now. But anyway, she taught us that the clutter rules will be observed or else. Um, If you left something out of place, rather than nag you to pick it up again and again, it would simply be gone. And its location would not be disclosed for a week. Nowadays, you kids know what that would mean. That would mean your cell phone and your DS and your shoes and your headset, with the, that's gone. And you will not find it for a week because it has gone into the, the uh, Bermuda Triangle of mom's confiscated items. And that teaches something, doesn't it? Yes. Why waste your words nagging when you can make someone's life a... Okay. I never, I never figured out the hiding places. Oh my word, Gloria, be respectful of other people's property and space. She continues to give me wise counsel. She, saw, she taught me the value of wise counsel. One day I was explaining to her some wonderful things God had done recently and also explaining some things that I was really freaked out about and anxious about. And she just responded, Tim, I bet the same God who you trusted to see that person's arm healed instantaneously can also be trusted to handle this interpersonal conflict that you're so anxious about. And I thought, oh, that's, that's definitely right. She taught me about marriage as a partnership. I always saw dad do the whole busy working chiropractor thing, but mom was the administrative mind making the whole big picture actually function. They worked side by side, but with different areas of focus, sort of balancing and counterbalancing fluidly. And I didn't even think that that wasn't normal until I grew up and saw how other people did life. And like, for example, weird stuff, like I had a boss who, he would dole out money to his wife like it's an allowance. I was like, man, my dad just makes the money and mom organizes the money and this is a weird relationship that these other people have where it's like, any hoozle. She really did model what I consider to be a Proverbs 31 life. I don't know what they made a year annually. I don't know what they're... I kept asking as a kid. You don't, ask, you don't realize these are offensive questions. You know, people in church will tell you their sexual sins, but they won't tell you how much money they make. But I would just ask mom and dad, I'd be like, how much money you guys make last year? And they'd be like, we're not going there. But I always saw her cut coupons and buy in bulk at Sam's Club. I'm talking about the kind of shopping trip where you're like, you need sustenance. It's like a marathon. You need hydration and sustenance and running shoes. Oh, I hate shopping so much. Anyway, but a Proverbs 31 woman takes care of both the flocks and the herds. No, I'm sorry. The flocks and the herds and the fields. And I saw mom doing that, diligently managing the household as well as the business. It's really interesting. Uh, recently, there was some uh, their their church leadership team 
had a special weekend and they brought in an outside speaker and in the middle of his talk, he stopped and began to have a, what he perceived to be was the Lord was communicating to her through, through him. And one of the things he highlighted was like, he like, he's like, Carol, the Lord wants you to know you're a Proverbs 31 woman. And she was like, not me. I've wanted to be. I've prayed to be a Proverbs 31 woman. I've strived to be my whole life, but I'm not. So-and-so over here, she's the Proverbs 31 woman. Guys, get your attention off me and onto her. She's amazing. And the whole group was like, why are you resisting this affirmation? We all agree that that is the Lord. And she's like, yeah, right. Then my dad was like, no, Carol, you are. I live with you. I should know. That was really nice because that's something she has prayed to be like her whole life, but never believed she was. Okay. Uh, I saw her lead kids' church. She bought these expensive puppets, and we all did like songs and skits with the puppets where you had the, like, the drapes here. I'm talking about expensive, nice puppets with like a little thing for the arm, like Muppet Show puppets. Like, it was legit, man. And, we, and she led musical cantatas at church, like Salty with the big psalm, salty blue thing and, and characters. And we did Angels Aware where we had uh, clouds and we were the angels and we learned all the songs and people play. Like that stuff takes so much time. Like looking back on it now, I'm like, she doesn't even like to be around people very much. And she did all this stuff. She's an introvert. And, and I just was, it was so intriguing for me to see the very extroverted things she was doing to bring Jesus to the young, to the kids at church. And um, I mean, it's why I know very many, all the, a lot of the passages of scripture I still have memorized. It's why, I, it's, it's just really interesting as I look back on that to see the priority she put on the kids having their own faith, their own theology, their own connection to community, their own prayer times, their own singing times, and their, their ownership and community at Maple City Chapel. She gave herself to that. I'm going to skip this next one. Okay, so she also taught me about expanding your boundaries and confronting your biases. She was willing to go to this, this mission trip to India in her 40s, I think, maybe. And she's this little white Mennonite lady who's never really gone that far. I mean, she'd gone to Chicago. You know what I mean? She'd gone to Kansas. But to go to India it was a major culture shock. And it was not entirely positive. I think her biases were pretty negative. In fact, she made it so that I thought, if I go to India, I'll eat food, my face will burn off, it will be, the other end will burn off, everything will burn. Uh, there's, I just, I had, a, everything's noisy and overcrowded, like all those things that she told me. I was like, oh my word, it's going to be terrible. But she did, she did it, she went. And I saw her also take college classes in, like at, at 50 years of age. She was finally, she was taking college classes. So for the first time in her life, because she'd lived as this cloistered Mennonite, for the first time in her life, she's in a classroom with, with not only just non-Mennonites, but with non-Christians as well, and she's finding out that they're just people, that they're just like her, and she was afraid we're not going to have anything to talk about because my life's just totally all this Jesus stuff, and theirs probably isn't, so what are we going to talk about? And she figured out, you have so much in common. They're just people. And it just like broke these, these faulty, false boundaries off of her brain. Um, yeah. She told me to be open to more. more uh, in a recent conversation with me, she was describing some encounter she had with the Lord and, 
And she's like, oh my word, the Holy Spirit, I could feel him come to the top of my head. And, and he was talking to me and I was up all night praying and I was, the next day at church, I was, I, was, I was there, I was seeing through different eyes. I was no longer there to try to get something from me, to get me through my week, but I was there seeing the value of everyone around me. Like, I, what can I help? Can I help them? How can I encourage them? She's like, Tim, I'm, she, what is she, 68 or nine or something like that? And she's like, you sh- you're like, you should know. It's around there. And, and I'm like, She's like, Tim, that was my first encounter with the Holy Spirit. And I'm like, well, that's not accurate. But I love the fact, meaning I, that woman has been encountering the Holy Spirit her whole Christian life. I know that. But to her, at this age, she feels like she's learning new things. She's going deeper in her experiences with the Lord. And I love that. I think that is so cool. I have never seen her stop learning. She taught me to never stop learning. She was always, my whole life, learning a new skill. She was taking, like, do you remember when computers, like, became a thing, where suddenly computers went out of a, a, a huge room in a building that has all these swirling tape decks and things going on to, like, oh, my word, you can fit a computer in a box? You can buy it and set it in your house? She was, like, immediately got a computer. Immediately got a computer for home. Immediately got one for work. Started doing all of her, all of her financial stuff through it. Started, you know... At, I remember her learning how to code in basic, you know? And so I, I, I always saw her as an early adopter to this day. They still are early adopters of technology. They always got the nicest, newest phones, and they're always using them, and they're always doing their thing. They're always early, dead, mom and dad, man, I don't know, I don't get it. But mom's never stopped learning. She's always reading. She's always studying. She's always going to a new, you know, a new machine to, for testing at their office, for naturopathic stuff, for new, new understandings of how the body works and how healing works, and New, like she would always be learning new video editing software. She always educating herself. Always educating herself. Her dream when she was little was to be a chiropractor. She married a chiropractor, but then she took over sort of the dietary half of the office and the rehabilitation half of the office. So even though she didn't get to go to chiropractic school, she just basically self-educated herself to a place of, of excellence. To this day, if you have any... No, don't call her. That would be weird. But I'm telling you right now, I just never got... You, you can't be around mom without she, her handing you a handful of vitamins. And she won't tell you what they are because how dare you question me. She, here's a handful of vitamins. Like, I mean a handful, like a pile. Like three ounces of it feels like, not really. But it's like, oh my word, what, what am I taking? Just take them. But what are they? Am I going to get the runs? Am I going to have a big... Am I going to be 103 temperature? Is my body's overloaded with niacin? Like, what is happening? Because one day that happened to me. She overloaded me with niacin. I went to school, and I turned beet red and was like super hot skin. And I was like, what is happening to me? And I remember I was like second grade or something. And I was like, well, this is, I can turn this into a joke. Hi, I'm a big fan of the Washington Redskins. It's not even funny, Tim. I'm still annoyed at myself for all these years later for my second grade self thinking that was a good joke. I think they sent me home, and she's like, oh, yeah, I gave you some niacin. And I'm like, that's too much. She's like, nah, that's how we know you're at the right limit. I'm like, ah. Oh. But to this day, I'm like, if I take these pills, am I going to have to stay around the toilet all day long? Because, you know, you hijacked me. And she's like, don't even ask questions, just take them. <laughs> so then I take them and she's like, well, now that you've taken them, I gave you this for your vitamin D and for your depression. And I gave you this for that. And I gave you this for this. And this is to boost your immune system. And this is for your digestion. And this is going to help with your gut health to give good, good bacteria growing in there. I shouldn't say this in church, but I'm about to, so if you know her at all, she's going to ask about your bowel movements. Just don't even. 
Just, just, just smile and try to figure out a way to get through it. It's, it's coming. I'm warning you. Never stop learning, I think was the point. Not sure anymore. She taught me that loving well is more important than getting our doctrine perfectly right. And she would often let me know that, especially when I was young in the Lord and kind of obsessed with getting my doctrine right. And I was probably a little annoying. Not that I'm at all annoying now. But she would often stress that to me, Tim, it's more important that you love well than that you get this theology correct. Often she would say that to me in conversation. And I think that came from her and dad being in church leadership for my whole life. Being in church leadership and seeing how much stuff that we get upset about that isn't Jesus. That what we accomplish together is about, oh, a million times more important. Sorry, flip it, reverse it. Strike that, reverse it. That how we get along together is about a million times more important than what we accomplish together. She's as sharp as a lawyer. I'm not sure how to say what I learned from this one, but uh, I learned that she is as sharp as a lawyer and sassy when she needs to be. I got to hear the, ta- the, oh, the reasoned takedown of a customer service rep when my little sister accidentally bought something online that she didn't mean to, and they would not refund it, and it was like $600. I'm talking about, it was like plane tickets or something, I don't know. I'm talking about a reasoned, sharp, decimation of logical, rhetorical sword slashes to the throat. It was brilliant. I want to talk to someone who has the authority to make a decision. I'm finished talking to you. Put someone on the phone who has authority. You don't even hear yourself, do you? You sound like a robot. I'm a person And you are treating me with a script. Put someone on the phone who has authority. I'm finished talking to you. No, I will not hang up. I know how this works. I will know I'm not satisfied with my customer service today. No, I'm not finished. No, you will not hang up on me. You will not hang up on me and I am not satisfied. Put someone on the phone who has the authority to tell me yes or no. Oh, she was hardcore. Stop speaking to me like you are a robot. I'm a person. She taught me to pray and to never give up. When I was in the midst of my full-on prodigal season, she would meet and pray with these two friends of hers. Once a week, they would have coffee. They would put on, you know, music. And they would claim passages of scripture over us. They would not give up. They would not give away to, dis- to despair. They would not let their hearts just sit around and cry. They went on the war path for us. She specifically claimed for me a passage in Jeremiah where it talks about your sons. It was actually ta- in context, the passage was talking about Israelites returning to the promised land out of exile. Your sons will return um, with weeping. And then soon after that, in that passage that she claimed for me, she even dated these things. She's like, this is the Lord. And she put her name and her date, and this is when I prayed it. 
so she could look back later and say, that's when I got it. And one of the passages was that his word is in my bones like a fire, and I can't contain it. And I sometimes wonder if, if my call to preach wasn't born then. Recently, when I was um, with Nikki Gonzalez and we were at Crossroads, and was it June's cousin? Is that your cousin? Your brother. June's brother was asking me a few questions after I was done saying whatever the heck it is that I said. Who has had the most impact, Tim, on your faith? And yeah, I thought of the revivalists. I thought of healing evangelists. I thought of great preachers of old. And I thought of theologians who... You know what I mean? I thought of all those, but I was like, nah. You know, not really. They've taught, I've learned some things from them, but no, that, that's, not where, that's, not has, that's not where the impact came. And I was like, you know what? Honestly, it's my mom and my grandma. That answer surprised me. Thinking in public, you know? 2 Timothy 1.5 says, Paul's talking to Timothy. He says, I'm reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother, Lois, and in your mother, Eunice, and I'm persuaded now lives in you also. My dad likes to say, God has no grandkids. And what he means by that is every single generation has to have their own faith, their own encounters with God, their own journey of knowing the Lord. But we'd be silly not to think that the families God put us in aren't the incubator of that faith or the greenhouse of that faith. Am I right? (laughs) Did I see a thumbs up from Gabe way back on the floor? (laughs) What do you think about that, Gabe? There you go. All right, um, I'm going to go ahead and hand the service over to Brian. No? Jan. So, um, sticking with the whole Mother's Day thing, I really feel like it's important just for us to bless our moms. And not just moms, but any women um, here, because at some point, at some time, they were probably mothered somebody even if they don't have children of their own. Um, So we're going to do that first, and then if anyone needs prayer for anything, um, healing, um, you know, anything that you need prayer for, if God's been tugging at your heart about anything during this time, um, you and you guys can come up after we dismiss um, you guys. But So I just want everyone to stand, if you will, first. So we're going to let everyone do the praying. So I just want the congregation to find a mom by you or a woman by you that you feel led to. It might be your wife. It might be your mom or whoever. So I just want every woman in this congregation to have a hand on them, even if the moms are praying for each other. 
well, it's fine. <laughs> So I just want you guys to pray. I want you to say a blessing over the the moms. Um, uh, Unlimited amount of strength and perseverance over them. For whatever may come their way, whatever has came their way, that God will bless them and keep encouraging them. So as I pray, you guys pray that over them.